1: with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
0: Kevin Hart here. This basketball season, Chase Freedom Unlimited is helping me cash back on everything, even the sound system that auto-tunes the game. Curry from way downtown. He Will the owner of a red sedan please visit guest services? Bet you've never heard cash back and sound like that. Cash back like a pro with Chase Freedom
1: Unlimited. Chase, make more of what's yours. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Lakers Tonight is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. You get great odds in markets for the NBA, NHL, college, and so much more. It's America's number one sportsbook. It's super easy to use. Plus, you can combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code JASONT so they know I sent you. 21+ in present Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. one 877 770 Stop in Louisiana. 1 800 270 7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1 877 8 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY to 467 369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1 800 889 9789 in Tennessee. Visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Lakers Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. I'm Jason Tiff. Happy Sunday, everybody. I hope you all had a great weekend. I thought this game... Was the home run bet of the century? The Suns very much enjoy beating the living shit out of the Los Angeles Lakers, and for good reason. There's an interesting backstory there. As all of you guys know, they had a strange playoff series last year. Started late regular season when LeBron was still nursing that ankle injury. Anthony Davis went into Phoenix and demolished their entire front line by himself which kind of set a weird tone for that series as they've played in the first round. Then we have game one where DeAndre Ayton kind of manhandles and outplays Anthony Davis a little bit. But then order is restored over the course of the next two games when LeBron and Anthony Davis physically manhandle the Suns again on their home floor and then back in Staples to take a 2-1 series lead. And then in game four, Anthony Davis pulls his groin and the talent and physical dynamics of the series utterly shift in the other direction, and suddenly the Lakers can't handle anything that Phoenix was doing. There was an underlying current in that series, too. The Lakers were not shooting particularly well, so obviously when Anthony Davis was out of the picture, that became an even bigger problem. But if you guys remember, in Game 3, at the end of that game, when LeBron was kind of toying with Jay Crowder a little bit, a lot of the bench was into it, there was obviously – a little bit of like a big brother, little brother thing there that was happening between those two teams. The Lakers were the defending champs. They had all the momentum. They were in control of the series. I personally think that if Anthony Davis stayed healthy, the Lakers would have won that series. I know some people disagree. I know some people want to point out the Chris Paul thing, but to me, it's apples and oranges comparing the Chris Paul need for the Suns to what Anthony Davis brought to the Lakers, especially with what the Suns were getting out of campaign at the time. Campaign arguably was every bit as good as Chris Paul in that playoff run. He, before the ankle injury, was a devastating matchup problem because he was just getting into the paint at will, which was causing massive problems for, for everybody that they faced. But that Chris Paul injury was kind of taken away from the fact that the, the the Lakers were physically dominating that series. And one of the big reasons why I think the Lakers would have won that series is just like what happened with Milwaukee in the finals, even though the Suns did have a depth advantage, even though the Suns did have a skill advantage, the Milwaukee Bucks just pulverized them physically. And over the course of that series, it wore on them not just Giannis, not just what Giannis was doing to the back, or I should say the backup front court, guys like Frank Kaminsky for the Suns, but also what he was doing to DeAndre Ayton, putting him in foul trouble, but also elsewhere on the floor. Drew Holiday was giving Chris Paul really big problems with his physicality and his size on the defensive end of the floor. Honestly, the bright spot of that series was Devin Booker and what he was able to do to create shots. But I believe that that physical dominance that the – bucks inflicted on the suns would have happened similarly in that first round series with the lakers as things progressed but it didn't it went a different way and ever since that moment ever since that game three moment when the lakers were showboating a little bit the suns have had a personal vendetta against the lakers every time they've played they've played they've thrown their best punch and it's been too much For the Lakers to handle. It's a kind of a thing that happens occasionally in NBA history. It's just usually when it, when it happens like this, when there's a talent gap, it can be a problem. Like for instance, after the Mavericks beat LeBron in 2011, even though the Mavs kind of descended into irrelevance after that, every time LeBron played Dirk from that point forward, it was personal and he stomped him into the ground just about every time they played after that finals. It was personal for them. That's the way it is for the Suns. So when you get a bad Lakers team that has severe matchup issues with any NBA team, not just a team as talented as the Suns, and a team like the Suns that are so motivated to kick their ass, you're going to get that. And I'm not surprised that this was the outcome at all. Like I said, I thought it was the home run bet of the century. You know, it's funny because over the course of the last couple weeks, one of the silver linings for me personally with the Lakers struggling so much is it's given me a bigger excuse to dive into the rest of the league. And I've spent a great deal of time trying to familiarize myself with the same level of intimacy that I do with these Lakers. Try try to really learn what makes these teams tick. And it is flooring how big of a gap there is between the Lakers and their basic basketball fundamentals and the rest of the league. I'm watching Mavericks Celtics today and they're two really different teams because the Celtics are switching everything, but they're kind of staying and letting guys guard one-on-one. The Mavs switch everything too, but they do a lot of double teaming and a lot of rotating on the back end. But those two teams have their defensive schemes down to a science. Every single player on the team knows exactly where they're supposed to be. They know exactly what's expected of them and they do their jobs. And as a result, Both of those teams are trending in the right direction, looking more and more like a team, looking more and more like teams that could win the title. And it's so interesting to me because if you look back to the beginning of this Lakers season, before the injuries, before anything went south for them, from day one of preseason, you guys remember this too, they were unserious. From day one of preseason, they looked like they were coasting. From day one of preseason, they looked like they were taking the easy way out of NBA basketball, doing the bare minimum of what was expected of them, and it manifested right away with the Lakers losing every single game in the preseason. Go back two years to the 2020 Lakers. They smacked the Warriors in that first game. There's this weird intensity that was palpable with that Lakers team They crushed the Warriors, and then remember, the Lakers social media team tweeted out, consider this a warning NBA, and everybody slandered that all season long until the Lakers had the trophy at the end. But the trophy had everything to do with the tone that they set at the beginning of the season. From day one of training camp, there was an intensity and a professionalism and a a championship character that was baked into what that team was building. That very same thing was missing this year. And it's funny because there are some parallels. You go back and look at the 2012, 2013 Lakers. That's with Kobe and Dwight Howard and Steve Nash and Pau Gasol and those guys. You look at that team, same thing. From the opening days of training camp, something was missing. And what's so important about that is from day one of training camp, that's when you establish those habits. That's when you establish a work ethic. That's when you establish discipline. That's when you establish expectations. You know, when there is a list of responsibilities attached to a defensive scheme, you know, in day one of training camp, you have to make it established that the players on the team are expected to check every one of those boxes. It becomes a habit. It's just like anything else for us in our lives as we try to form habits. They don't happen overnight. They have to be established. And so one of the hardest parts about this situation for the Lakers is like, Hey, Anthony Davis is probably coming back in a couple of weeks. LeBron is trending in the right direction. The biggest silver lining from tonight is, like I said, I was worried. The last time LeBron had a big scoring performance like he did against the Warriors, his knee blew up on it. But he had another big dominant scoring performance the other night, and he was fine to play tonight. I thought he looked pretty explosive tonight. So you've got LeBron trending in the right direction. You've got Anthony Davis maybe coming back. But it probably doesn't matter because from day one, The work wasn't done. The habits were not established. The basketball character of a champion was not built with this roster. So it's fundamentally impossible for them to go into a playoff series against a team like the Phoenix Suns, even with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and do the job well enough to win that series. In fact, this is why I thought it was so important for them to fight for that eight seed, which they just punted on and let the Clippers have, the reason why I thought it was so important for them to fight for that is I thought that if they got any other team, Golden State, Denver, any of these guys, Dallas, any of these teams, I thought if they got them in the first round, LeBron and AD would be enough. Phoenix is too much for them. This version of Phoenix is too much for this Lakers team at full strength, and it's unfortunate. Because had they got to that eight seed and they won that first play-in game, they could have got Golden State or Memphis and more time to try to establish those championship habits that I'm talking about that are so vitally important to a team getting to the final destination of holding the trophy up. And it's a damn shame because it's a waste. But this is something to keep in mind for every team that we watch moving forward. Watch the way they approach the preseason. Watch the way that they establish habits early in the season. The NBA regular season is long. It could be frustrating. It could be boring at times. There can be a lack of urgency, but the teams that take it seriously from day one and through the entire process, those are the teams that have the habits necessary to get to the final destination. Before we move on from the Lakers, I wanted to talk about Russ for a second because I thought I was thinking about this yesterday, talking with some Laker fans on Twitter, just about where does Russ go from here? Because every, everything we've heard through the grapevine tells us that Russ is gone. Under no circumstances will he be a Los Angeles Laker next year. That feels like a, like a near 0% chance. So where does Russ's career go from here? And, you know, I tend to be more optimistic than most. A lot of people have said, this guy's done. He's declining too fast physically. He's too stubborn, so on and so forth. But this is where I think the... Really, really ugly nature of this season can be a positive in a weird way. A silver lining is probably the better expression to use, but I think in a weird way, this season could be the season that wakes, Russ's, wakes Russ up, that humbles him. You know, it's funny. I was, when I was, after I finished playing basketball in college, I signed a professional contract with a league in India. And it was good money, they were going to pay me a thousand bucks a week. But they were like, hey, before we go over, we're going to do this camp up in Phoenix. We're going to have you scrimmage with some of the players from India. And we're going to get the television partners out there so that they can do like a promo video for the season, all this stuff. So they fly us up to Phoenix and they put us up in hotels and we play basketball for like two weeks. I, up until that point, was accustomed to a certain level of work ethic. And it worked for me. I'm 6'6", put my head around the rim. My work ethic was enough for me to be successful in college. I was an all-conference player when I was playing in college. I had big scoring nights. I I, I had success at that level. But this was a different level. This was another level of talent and professionalism. And I remember I ran into this guy. He was an Indian-American who was living in Toronto at the time. And he utterly embarrassed me in this camp. Like, he was better than me at every single area of the game. And he was two inches taller. And more muscular. And I remember leaving that camp when I was done. Unfortunately, the league in India ended up folding, so I never actually made it over there, which happens all the time with overseas hoops. That's just the nature of the business. But I remember taking that so... I, I, could, I couldn't stop thinking about it for weeks. I was, it was a wake-up call for me to realize that what I was doing was not enough. What I anticipated would be enough of a work ethic to succeed at that level was wrong. And in the years since then, I have adopted a professional-level work ethic. I had to be utterly humiliated for me to learn what was needed for me to succeed at that level. And it's so interesting because that's the way I look at this Russell Westbrook situation. This has been ugly. Like we talked about before, there's been death threats. There's been name-calling, which is deeply personal to the Westbrook family. There's been booing. There's been altercations with teammates and coaches, coaches, according to reports that we've heard. Whether or not that's legitimate, we'll see. But it's been a very ugly season for Russ. But this is what it takes for a prideful person to understand that what they're doing is not enough. Russell Westbrook is no longer close to skilled enough to be a good NBA guard. Look at uh, just a random like replacement level NBA guard, a guy like Monte Morris. The level of skill that he has at the point guard position is leaps and bounds ahead of where Russell Westbrook is. What Russell Westbrook has done to this point in his career in skill development was enough because of his athletic tools. But as he has faded on that front, his lack of skill has become a problem. He is the worst jump shooter in the league at volume. That's a problem. He has absolutely no finishing moves other than his extended right-handed layup going to the rim. And that one-dimensional finishing approach combined with his lack of athleticism has directly led to his rim numbers going down the toilet. All of that is related. Russell Westbrook, in my opinion, he's only 33. He's going to have... Another phase of his career, in my opinion, where he is a productive starting point guard for a team with real title aspirations. I believe that because I believe this season was humbling enough for him to realize, hey, you have to adopt a level of skill development you have never developed before. You can't finish in traffic anymore, so you have to have a floater package. Or you have to learn to attack pick and rolls and attack the basket more like a Chris Paul. Use your size to your advantage, get by your first defender, and then put him in jail and try to operate with slow pace in the mid-range. These are the kinds of things that Russ has to do to adapt. He has to understand that what he's been giving defensively was not enough. He has to understand that in order for him to maintain a spot of legitimacy in this league, he has to... He has to embrace all these things. So as ugly as this has been, I am, I am optimistic that this will be a turning point for Russ. This is how ugly it has to get sometimes for people to wake up. It's just the natural order of life and, and the cycle of, of aging. That's just how it works. And so I'm, I am optimistic that Russ has another day to fight in the future and that it won't be too far down the way. Start your bracket with a bang right now. FanDuel Sportsbook is giving new customers a $150 instant bonus guaranteed. That's right, you'll get $150 in bonus site credit, and all you have to do is place your first bet of five dollars or more. How you bet the bracket is up to you. You could choose from the money line, totals, prop bets, and so much more. I'm going to be all over Arizona, I'm from Tucson. They have NBA size and athleticism. I think their defense is going to carry them. Plus, with the cash out, the ball's in your court, so you can close out your bet whenever you want before the game is even over. Join FanDuel today with promo code JASONT. Then you can place your $5 bet to score $150 in bonus site credit guaranteed. That's promo code JASONT on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1 800 889 9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, And the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant
1: are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Warm weather brings many outdoor activities. Happy hours after work, weekend hikes, pool parties, and family barbecues. With all that time spent in the sun, we're often not thinking about what it's doing to our hair. Those rays can seriously affect your scalp and hair, making right now the perfect time to start taking Nutrafol to help keep your hair healthy this summer. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster growing hair with less shedding. Thinning hair is different for men and women, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth doesn't cut it. Nutrifol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow based on your biology, life stage, and lifestyle factors. Physician formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. With Nutrifol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Get results you can run your fingers through. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to nutrifull.com and enter the promo code Hoops, that's H O O P S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. com, spelled N U T R A F O L, dot com, promo code Hoops, that's H O O P S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor... Angie has cost guides that will tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. And the app is free and easy to use. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. For those of you who are just joining us, this is Lakers Tonight presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. I wanted to move on to the Brooklyn Nets. So they win against the Knicks today. Uh, KD scores 53, hits what basically is the game winner with just under a minute left. KD looks amazing. I said on the show the other day, I think he's the best player in the world. We don't need to get into that. The most There are two interesting things about this game that I wanted to hit on. First of all, I I don't think the Nets can win the title with Kyrie playing part-time. And it really comes down to me about the margin for error. I talked about this a lot with the Lakers early in the season with Russ. You know, I'd say, like, what worries me about Russ in late-game situations is playoff series is at the highest level. Like, conference finals and finals, they are determined by the slightest of margins. Think back to how things can go differently. Anthony Davis doesn't make a game winner over Nikola Jokic in the second round of the bubble. The Nuggets are up two games to one. How does that change the series? You know, they could lose – that's how thin – these margins can be sometimes I don't have to lay out the half dozen times over the course of NBA history that a team won a title by a tiny margin. LeBron blocking Andre Iguodala, Kyrie Irving, hitting a step back jump shot over Steph. These titles are determined by the slightest of margins and the slightest advantage can make the difference. I think the nets as currently constructed are the best team in the East. If they have all their guys, I, I, I learned a lot about them in the last week with the way that they play, how good KD looks, the way their defense is modernized, and the way it can effectively stagnate people. Kyrie has still shown defensive flashes. I love the idea of the Ben Simmons fit. That's all great. But the Brooklyn Nets might just be just slightly better than the Milwaukee Bucks. They might be just slightly better than the Miami Heat or the Philadelphia 76ers. And if you toss them three games or four games with Kyrie not playing, that could be a difference maker. In a vacuum, yes, the Brooklyn Nets are the best team. But when you're punting three games of your second best player, you are giving away an advantage that will not be a big deal maybe in an early round series, maybe not in a play-in game, but when you get to the highest levels of NBA basketball, the teams are too close. There is no runaway favorite this year. And you can't weather that type of loss. And so, and, and what's nerve-wracking about it is we just saw a, a clip getting shared around on Twitter yesterday of the New York City mayor basically saying, like, hey, if, Katie, if Kyrie wants to play, he could play tomorrow. just got to go get vaccinated. Now, it remains to be seen this might not be an issue if they do clear that up. But the mayor doesn't seem to be – the mayor doesn't want to do it for Kyrie. He wants to do it if he wants to do it. And so there is a chance that this still ends up happening, and if it does, the Nets are in trouble because I don't think you can punt three games of your second-best player against the top-tier teams in the East. Really quickly, I wanted to to talk about the Knicks. They're 6-19 in the last 25 games. They're 15th in defense on the season after being fourth last year. thought it was really interesting how their team has pulled away from Tibbs in a similar way to the way the Lakers did with Frank Vogel. And it's kind of one of my longstanding theories. When you have demanding coaches, coaches that ask a lot of their players, particularly on the defensive end of the floor, particularly physically with wear and tear, eventually it's a burnout effect. Like look at LeBron and Anthony Davis. Those two guys weren't playing nearly the same level of defense they did just two years ago because that's what happens. You get burnt out on a coach that is very demanding it. Some of this is personnel. The Knicks have taken on some offensive minded personnel. That's been part of the issue, but this was the fourth best defense in the league last year. And they've fallen off a cliff in that department. And it's been the nail in the coffin for them. And I think it comes down to coach Tibbs being very demanding. I think with guys like that, you have to have more personnel turnover each year to keep things fresh. Cause it can be difficult really quickly, moving on to Mavs and Celtics. This was a really interesting game. You know, I I think the Celtics are a better team overall, but the Mavs have a puncher's chance to beat everybody because of the way that Luka has the ability to to dictate outcomes at the end of the game. This game was very make or miss, if you watched it. It got really slogged and slowed down at the end. It basically came down to making and missing shots. Luka Doncic had a step back over Robert Williams. He made it. On the next possession, Jason Tatum shot a fadeaway at the free throw line, one that he's been making all season long, one that I've seen him make a ton recently in his recent run. And he missed it. Then on the other end, off of a Luka double, the ball ended up back in Spencer Dinwiddie's hands. Spencer Dinwiddie made the three. The Dallas Mavericks sent a bunch of double teams at Tatum late in the game. The ball ended up in Marcus Smart's hands a lot, and Marcus Smart was missing. The basketball is a make or miss sport that can go either way. But it was a very interesting matchup. I think if the I think if those two teams played again tomorrow, the Celtics would absolutely have a chance to win. It's not, Dallas is not necessarily a better team. It was a make-or-miss type of outcome. This one went to Dallas. What I thought was really interesting was the different styles. Because Boston, as we've talked about a lot, they have so many athletes on the floor. They are so defensively versatile that they can double less than any team in the league. Any switch that they give up is a good matchup for them. If you want to attack Robert Williams, They like their chances there. If you want to attack Al Horford, they like their chances there. If you're a big defender trying to post up Marcus Smart, they like their chances there. And God knows you don't want to attack Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So they are comfortable operating in isolation defense. But Dallas doesn't have that type of personnel. Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic, they're all targets. Maxine Kleba is even a target. But what's so interesting about it, though, is their defense is still dominant Because you can make up for individual matchup issues as long as you rotate on the back end. Dallas is constantly doubling and rotating, which is very consuming of energy. It's very tiring. You have to cover a ton of ground. The communication has to be ridiculous. There's like an instinct level to it, too, that is built up over the course of the season. It's very difficult to do, but if you do it right, it works. And especially in a situation like with Dallas, or, uh, Boston tonight, they have an issue with spacing. Robert Williams can't shoot. He's a vertical spacer, so he's not a complete useless threat under the basket. But there were several possessions in, in today's game where off of Tatum double teams, they were swinging the ball around, but it ended up being jump shots because Robert Williams and his man are sitting right under the basket. There was a play at the end where Jalen Brown literally got blocked by Maxine Kleba, right under the basket because he's driving into another defender just waiting under the basket because of Robert Williams' spacing. So it's interesting to see these teams. There is no perfect team this year. There is no runaway title favorite. Every team has flaws. Boston has an issue with shooting at the center position, and they're not a great playmaking team. Dallas is a great playmaking team and a great isolation team, but they don't have the same defensive personnel. Every team has holes, and it's going to be a matter of styles making fights in matchups dictating who wins. All right, before we get out of here tonight, I wanted to really quickly talk about the Warriors. They're coming off of back-to-back huge wins on the road in Denver and then at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. The big indicator to me of this recent success is Jordan Poole. In his last six games, he's averaging 25 points on 60% from the field, 57% from three, and 94% from the free throw line. An all-time efficient scoring run from Jordan Poole. And one of the things that's really interesting about that is he is starting to dictate attention defensively that is similar to what's happening with Steph. They're running a ton of dribble handoffs and pick and rolls with Jordan Poole, and he's uh, dragging multiple defenders with him. What makes that so important is this Warriors offense has consistently struggled when Steph is off the floor. It's been an issue since the beginning of this era, even when KD was there. They were always better with Steph on the floor. But a big part of that is their role players. The Klay Thompson's, you know, the Jonathan Kamingas, the Andrew Wiggins, all of the guys who operate off the ball, they're used to getting a certain type of offensive opportunity playing with Steph and guys like Clay Thompson and guys like Kevin Durant just dictate a different type of defensive attention. That's why that was always uh, a, a strange kind of transition. They would play a style with Steph on the floor and then they'd play an entirely different style without Steph. And it would be part of the reason why they had issues. Well, Jordan Poole dictates defensive attention similar to Steph, not to the same level. Steph, obviously, it's like panic chasing everywhere. But when you got a guy who's drawing doubles off of dribble handoffs and pick and rolls, he's getting similar looks for his teammates that they're getting with Steph on the floor. And so as a result, it's more of that same flow that they're getting with Steph without Steph which is a huge part of that. And then their defense has finally woken up. They had a big defensive lapse there for a while without Draymond. Draymond actually rejoined the team. I think that helped too. Just having that intensity and that, that leadership on the sideline has kind of woken them back up again. And then, honestly, Steph is starting to play better. That, uh, he hasn't shot the ball as well as he did early in the season. I still don't think he looks the same as the guy that was very clearly one of the top two or three players in the league last season. But he's not as bad as he was in January. That's a big part of why they're starting to play better as well. I'm going to dig more into their film. I want to look at their uh, their game against Milwaukee because that was an incredibly dominant performance. I'll get a video out about that tomorrow for you guys. But I'm really, really excited. I, I I don't think I still don't think the Warriors are in that top tier of contender because I still think they're going to struggle creating shots against the best defenses to the same extent that some of these top tier contenders can. So I'm, not, I'm still not as high on the Warriors as Warrior fans are, but they're trending in the right direction. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. I appreciate your support as always. Lakers are playing back-to-back, so they're playing again tomorrow. We will be here right after the final buzzer. I appreciate your support, and we'll see you tomorrow.
0: slash compatibility.